Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. For those that don't know, my father is now celebrating Jesus right now. Amen. Face to face. Kind of jealous. He's now experiencing the fulfillment of what we eat and drink right now. He's a man who knew Jesus, who loved him, who gave his heart to him. And I was just reading, I'll I'll probably, I may read it (laughs) even three weeks ago. His last song he wrote, he was a songwriter. He stood in here after he had conquered pancreatic cancer last uh, year and said, I'm going to give the rest of my life to writing worship music. Last song he wrote, he says, I will finish this race because you're with me. See, to us, this is not playtime. This is a serious, serious thing. It is a joyful thing. But it's a serious thing because Jesus took the body and the bread and he says, this is my body that's going to be given up for you. I doubt his disciples knew at the moment the fullness of what that meant. They they saw it as the Passover celebration. But I really don't think they had a clue about what was to come. That very night when he was arrested and was taken away, and accused of crimes he never committed. And yet he looked down and there's the, the religious leaders that are just yelling at him and crucifying him and cursing him and just, just going to town on him. And he looked at him with love and compassion and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We got to learn to Forgive. We have to learn to forgive one another. We have to learn how to forgive those who have done us wrong and don't have a clue they did us wrong. We have to learn to forgive those who did us wrong and know they did us wrong and they don't care. It's it's not an option for us because Jesus became our forgiveness. Yes, yes. It says, and this is the cup of my blood, the new covenant. It says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. Hmm. You know that when you forgive, you're eating of his flesh and you're drinking of his blood. You know when you forgive yourself for things, you're eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. Today I celebrate not my father who was a good earthly father I celebrate my heavenly father and I celebrate that my earthly father is with my heavenly father yes 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 he knew this so I can tell you this my dad didn't save me he loved me well he gave so much of himself for me but only Jesus saved me that's right My dad's not my idol, although he is my hero. I just felt as I came in this morning that it was an opportunity to practice what we teach every day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things are added to you. Telling you right now, what's being added to me is comfort, peace, joy, encouragement. I know I'm going to see my father face to face one day. No doubt about that. After our son Andrew died 17 years ago, we went through this period after his death where we said, the first person we want to see is Andrew and then we'll see Jesus. 
And then remember this moment where we both looked each other in the eye and say, no, we got that wrong. First person I want to see is Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, the first person I want to see when I cross over from this life to that life is Jesus. That's right. But here's my question for you. Will you have that opportunity to do the same thing? Have you been born again? Have you fully given your life over to Him? Have you fully become born again? Have you fully given your heart totally to Him and say, there is no other idol in this world other than Jesus. There's other name I will lift up other than the name of Jesus. There's no other name I have hope in other than the name of Jesus. There's no other name that I live by other than the name of Jesus. Because if you don't know, you have no hope. It says in Thessalonians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Because we know who Jesus is. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? then celebrate communion today. But if your name is not written, and whether you're here in person or you're watching online right now, do not let this moment pass by. Just three weeks ago, my dad was strong and vibrant. And in a matter of three weeks, he went home to be with the Lord. And now he's strong and vibrant for all of eternity. But I'm telling you, listen to me. That is something to celebrate. But don't miss the opportunity to give your life fully to Jesus. So I want every head to bow and every eye to close. And I want you to be real and honest and raw with yourself and with Jesus. Is there anything in your life that you've held back from Jesus? From giving 100% of it to Him? If there is in this moment, make a determination of your will to let go and fully trust God in every area of your life. For some of you, you're already born again and that's going to be You're just giving over a burden, a care. You're giving over somebody who harmed you or hurt you. You're giving over a trauma of the past. You're giving over the fear of tomorrow or what's happening in this country. And you're going to be able to give it over to them because you know you will die and go to heaven and see Jesus face to face. But while you're on this earth, while you have breath in your lungs, the Lord wants you to live fully and give every part of your heart to Him. And for others, there may be somebody in this room that that means you're going to become born again. You're going to stop living life on your terms, making yourself your God, and instead you're going to encounter the love of the Father who gave His Son as a sacrifice to reconcile you back to Himself. And in this moment, you're gaining the eternal life that my Father now enjoys and that the rest of us look forward to. So every head that bowed and every eye closed, but I just want to ask this question. Is there anyone in this room right now, you've never fully given your life to Jesus, but you want to do it right now? Would you just raise your hand? I see you, buddy. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, I see you, young man. Just this, that boldness of raising your hand, son. In that moment, you became a son of God. In that moment, you were born again. In that moment, Jesus stood up in heaven and started cheering with the angels because you just gave your life to him. And from this point to the point you become an old man, serve him. Know what it means to become a son and a friend of God. I celebrate with you. Is there anybody else in the room before I close this out? So together right now, we just celebrate this young man who just gave his life to Christ. And we eat the bread in celebration. 
your body broken so our bodies are never broken again. In Jesus' name. And we drink the cup of forgiveness, the cup of eternal life, the cup that is the blood that runs through our veins by faith. And we say, Lord, come and have your way. We celebrate now this table fellowship where we get to sit at the table you've prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, one of those being death. And you mock death in this victory celebration as we drink the blood. Amen. Let's continue to worship Him. Why don't you give Jesus praise one more time? If you have your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I have what I think will be a short message. I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, before I read this, uh, as I've been processing this, there's uh, Bill Johnson who pastors uh, Bethel Church up in Redding, California, has been a hero in the faith to us for many years. Uh, one of the reasons we're kind of where we're at and is the steadfastness of Bill and the team at Bethel and their pushing in for the kingdom. He was the son of Papa Jack um, and have had the opportunity to be able to speak with him numerous times and just is a real, uh, I think, a hero in the faith. But Bill's one of the most real people you ever come across. And I remember the first time I heard a message um, a couple years ago after his dad had passed from a particular type of cancer that they had seen healed of thousands of times at Bethel. And, uh, and it, was just, it was just one of those things. It was this mystery his dad, dad passes from it, and he preached the, the message about three or four days later after his dad had passed. And he talked about this is that we do not build our theology based off of negative experiences. We don't have permission to rewrite our theology according to what we see palely and dimly. We, we only have permission to be able to look at who Jesus is is demonstrated through his word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's where we take our theology. So if Jesus said it, it's, it solves it, it settles it. Even when we go through difficulties that leave us having a mystery, and, and, and Bill got to this point because um, they've paid a price to say God still heals today. And it, what's amazing to me is it actually has not been a lost world that gave them a lot of flack. It was actually other Christians who didn't believe that God still healed today that gave them a lot of flack. And and there was even mocking after his dad had died because, like, ah, where's your God? I thought he still heals today. And Bill made a most interesting statement, and he says this, I live in mystery. There's some things on this side of the veil of eternity that I'll understand, and many I will never understand until I go to that side of the veil. He says, I will not come up with an excuse I won't blame God, I won't blame my dad, I won't blame us and our prayers. We didn't pray hard enough, we didn't pray the right prayers or all this stuff. He says, God never gets into the blame game when it comes to that. He says, it's a mystery. But I know God still heals and he continues to heal today. He, ben, uh, Bill's wife, Benny, passed away just about a month and a half, two months ago from cancer. And um, he shared the same message that he shared at his dad's funeral, or at least a variation of it. And he said this, when we come to these moments of mystery, when we've experienced loss, because it is loss on our end. Paul, Paul said, it'd be better for me to be there, but it's better for you that I'm here. So Paul always went back and forth on this thing of like, man, I've had a taste of heaven and trust me, it's much better there. But I don't have permission yet to be there versus here because there's a purpose in my life lived here for the people who need to know him there. He said, so we had this opportunity, both at his father's funeral, Benny's funeral, and, I, and I've just been, it's been rolling around, it's ministered to me so much, is this. In this moment... I get to do something I will never be able to do in eternity. 
Well, what is that, you might ask? Offer a sacrifice of praise from the place of a broken heart. Offer a sacrifice of praise from a place of loss. Because when we get there, there's no more tears of sorrow. There's tears of joy, but there's no tears of sorrow. There is no disease. There is no death. There is no loss. Only realization of the fullness of who God is. So while we're here on the earth, multiple times through Scripture you say, let all that I am give a sacrifice of praise. All that I think, all that I do, all that I say, all that I breathe, let it be a living sacrifice. Paul said it in Romans, give your bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. As an instrument of sacrifice. I don't blame God for my dad's passing. The devil's a loser. He still uses cancer. But, oh, death, where is your sting? My dad won. This morning, for me, my prayer to several of my close family and friends was, let this not be about me, even my dad. Don't let it be about emotions. I love you guys. Those that found out before I was able to get something out, your, your love and your support and your encouragement has been amazing to me. I'm grateful for that. But let me tell you right now, I'm not here to preach the gospel of my dad, Gary Miller. I'm here to preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning I offered a sacrifice of praise in the place of loss And it made a decision of my will to say, God, in this place, I will not move into despair. I will not move into a place of thinking that you're anything less than you really are because you didn't perform the way I wanted you to perform when we prayed for a miracle. I won't go there. I've seen too much. (laughs) I've looked in the eyes of a woman who was born blind And at 40 years old, in the name of Jesus, I watched as her pupil focused on mine for the first time seeing anything. That's Jesus. I've seen too much. I remember when I was in Thailand and I prayed for somebody who had been born deaf, a woman. And we're just praying. I didn't have faith for it. But I knew what to do, and I said, I knew Jesus is good, and we're praying. This is a big thing. They're deaf. They've been deaf before they were, when they were born. And I prayed, and then I hear the Lord say, whisper in her ear that I love her. So I got up to her here, and I whispered, God loves you. And then the next moment, she about took my head off because she did this. Because the first sound she'd ever heard in her life was God loved her. And he healed her. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son to reconcile a lost and broken world to himself. It was three weeks ago yesterday, my brother and I would gone to the hospital my dad had was they were up in uh, San Antonio over at university because my mom by the way praise God she's 100% cancer free by the way and recovering well and so dad has been staying with my brother because they're over at Lackland and it was real close to the medical center in San Antonio and dad started having pain in his in his abdomen so we took him in we got the scan that showed he had massive tumors in his liver boom like this quick And as my brother was driving back to their house, and I was going to the parking garage so I could go over and tell my mom with them, I made this statement. I just got this this anger, rage overcame me. And I just said, God, I hate, hate cancer. I hate it. And I hear the Lord go, go, whoa, 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 whoa. One of the kindest rebukes I've ever had. Because, whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful what motivates your heart. Yeah. 
It cannot be your hatred for a disease that causes you to pray. It must be the motivation of my love for you lived out that moves your heart to pray for somebody who's sick. It was a seminal moment in my life. In that moment, I realized I must carefully guard the motivations of my heart in a way I have never done before because it can become very easy to get caught up in the devastation we see caused by the enemy and from that place allow what we hate happening to those we love, to a nation we love, to anything you want to put on there. We could allow hate to become the motivation of our heart. And suddenly we will partner with a spirit that's not the spirit of Jesus, but the spirit of this age. And we'll pray the right prayers. And part of our motivation is, I want this person to get well. I want this nation, I hope you're hearing me, to get well. And the Lord goes, go back to John 3.16, son. He goes, did it say, for I so hated sin that I sent my son? And I go, no. Does he hate sin? Why does he hate sin? Because what it does to those he loves But God doesn't do something motivated by hate. He's moved by love because he is love. He's agape itself. He's perfect love. He's perfect compassion. He's perfect comfort. He's perfect peace. That's why Jesus could hang on a cross broken and hurting with the weight of our sin on Him because He became our sin on the cross and yet the motivation of His heart was the motivation of His Father that said, Father, forgive them. They don't have any clue what they're doing. Motivation of love. I've been thinking a lot about this since the last couple years. And as I've, I've got a responsibility to family, I've got a responsibility to a church family. I've, apostolically, I've got a responsibility to a region and, and within the body of Christ as a whole. I don't like what I've seen in my nation. What I've seen happen over the last decade, even coming from the body of Christ, has been for they so hated what was happening to their country that they marched or voted or shouted out. Hate will never transform a nation. Oh, it will, but it won't transform it for the kingdom. It'll only divide. It'll only tear apart. You say, well, Jay, are you saying it's okay to let the transgender movement go along and educate kids and do all that? No. But I will not stop it because my heart has become rotted with hatred. For you Star Wars fans, Anakin fell to the dark side. He loved his wife. He was afraid his wife was going to die. He was afraid that his kid was going to die. And he turned to darkness and hatred to try to prevent it. And a whole galaxy fell. I'm sorry. George Lucas didn't realize he was writing something that was actually kingdom, even though that wasn't his intention. I said that for some of my sons and daughters. And they know it. But Jesus was the chosen son. You're a chosen one. A people who once had no name, no identity. But now you've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've become a royal priesthood. You've become a holy nation that brings the nation of the kingdom of heaven 
so that the nations of this earth would bow to Jesus. And I love our Constitution. I do. There's been more freedom that's been extended out across this planet because of what's happened in America. There's been more people saved with the gospel because of the funding of the gospel going out. There's been more good things that have happened. People live longer. They've experienced more things because of what's happened in this nation. But this nation is not the Savior. I wasn't expecting to go here, but the Holy Spirit was. We must see America saved. If you're going to vote, vote because you love the Lord and what His heart and His motivation is, not because you hate what you see happening. I heard Josh Haley, who's a senator from, is it Iowa? Where's he at? Was it? Missouri. He's a strong, born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And I heard him say in an interview, he said, somebody wants me to get mad at all the people that are calling me names and this and that. And he says, all I have is compassion and love for them because they know not what they're doing. He says, they don't realize they're actually reaping destruction upon themselves. Why would I get mad at them? Jesus died so they might know the Father. So what are we going to do with this? In the place of loss, in the place of mystery, we make a decision that we will not let that rewrite who we are. We will not let that rewrite who the Lord is. We will come into agreement not with things that we don't understand or mystery. We will come into agreement with what we do know that God is good and He is forever, ever going to be good and that His purpose and His plan will win out always at the end of time. And in that place, we say, I choose to worship you, Jesus. Not because I'm afraid of what's happening, but I choose to worship you because you're good. Isn't it funny? Even in our worship, even this place, it's been real easy. I'm just going to process raw with you guys. I remember a moment in worship. The Lord says, get flat on your face. I got flat on my face. He says, I told you to do this because I want you to leave everything here that would cause you to worship me because you're hurting. He says, why are you worshiping me? It's because you're good. Why are you, worship why are you worshiping me? Because my life's been bought with a price. And then the worship team moved into that song. There's, there's power in the name. There's healing in the name. I don't want this morning to be some weird, solemn drag of a day. You need to understand something. I'm rejoicing. I am. I know Jesus. What else is there? I know my Father knows Jesus. What else could I hope for? I know my brother and my sister-in-law and my nephew have seen Jesus at work. And they love him. I watched my kids fall in love with Jesus. Not because it was their dad and mom's faith, but because... They've experienced the goodness of God that's totally transformed the way that they think and they live. I have hope today. I'll mourn because it's healthy to mourn. But it says, blessed are those who mourn for you'll be comforted. Comfort's not a feeling. It's a person. The Holy Spirit's called the great comforter. In the place of loss, Jesus says, you might not have gotten your answer, but I'll give you something better than your answer. I'll give you myself. 
Isn't that amazing? I would not trade anything for him. I've got Jesus. Now I need to give him away. For God so loved you that he gave his heart for you. I just feel like this is going to be a moment in our history where we realize what we've stood for for many years, which was Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I, I think we're about to enter into an addition that turns into a multiplication that turns into exponential growth. And it's going to come in the hearts of people who make a decision to lay aside what they don't understand, what they fear, what they wish they had, what they wish they could have done, what it should have, could have. And they lay that aside and say, that no longer is going to be the motivating factor for me. Today, I choose to receive the love of Jesus and to give the love of Jesus away. That brings transformation to a planet. And when people look in the eye and go, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? You can tell them it's because of Jesus. Do you want to know him? Do you want to experience him? We begin to pray for the sick, not because we're hoping that he can perform for us. We begin to preach and pray for the sick because we believe wholly that he is healer. We begin to run for office, not because we're trying to fix a broken system or prevent the tide of communism or socialism or progressivism or any other ism. But we run for office because we're bringing the kingdom and the love of God into a place that needs a miracle. You hear what I'm saying? We don't run businesses because we're trying to make a profit. We run businesses, we don't become socialists, but we run businesses that do produce a profit. And at the same time, people are blessed because they come into our proximity and they experience the generosity of our Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? We don't teach in schools because we're trying to make sure they're not being taught the wrong thing. No, we, we teach in schools because suddenly I can become Jesus in the flesh that transforms the campus that I'm planted on, because in me is the, the Spirit of Christ who rose Jesus from the grave. And that tangibly changes the atmosphere. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3. Y'all Okay. I know we all got you where we're at. Let's just take a moment. I'll do with you what I do with my kids because I can just kind of feel some tension in the room. Count of three, I want you to do this. Well, you did before I counted three. Okay. It's collectively all. We're going to get it. Let's shake it off. Ready? In the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. Now we can receive what God's got. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, if you indeed have heard of the administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, let me hear you say mystery, as I wrote before, briefly. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Let me stop here real quick. I'm not getting caught up into the mystery of I prayed and somebody didn't get well. I'm not getting caught up in that mystery. I'm already caught up in the mystery of the goodness of the, of the gospel of Jesus. It says this. I'll read verse 4 again. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to mankind. It has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in, in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, 
which was given to me to the working of his power. I just want to stop real quick. If you've been here any period of time, you know what grace is. It's not just unmerited favor, but it is the empowering agent of God to do and to become what you couldn't do one second before you receive grace. You're saved by grace. You couldn't save yourself. The grace of God touches your life. Then suddenly you can make a decision for him to, to save you. When you're praying for the sick, the grace of God comes on you. And in a moment, you are just a person. Now the grace of God's on you. And suddenly you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're touching another temple. And the grace of God flows in for healing. Paul was made a minister. I was made a minister. But let me tell you this. So were you. If you're born again, say, I am. You're not exempt from ministry. Our ministries may look different. We may have different emphases. We may have different levels of responsibility. But we are all made the ministers of the gospel of Jesus. And the grace of God comes on you, the working of his power through you. So to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints. Look at Paul doesn't, I mean, we look at Paul with esteem. He read, wrote a majority of the New Testament. He's the apostle Paul. And he goes, no, I was the least of all the saints. Because he maintained a place of humility. He didn't look at his title as something to be bold in, to be something to rejoice in. He knew his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's what mattered to him. And from that place of friendship with the Lord, he was able to serve boldly. It says, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten all people as to what the plan of the mystery is which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the multifaceted wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. It has nothing to do with this building. It has everything to do with its people. The only way the multifaceted wisdom of God will be made known is through the church. And look where it's going. To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. It's not talking about where he rules. He's talking about the second heaven where the, the demons rule and come and do stuff. And they don't rule. I said that wrong, incorrectly. But they do have influence. It says, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through him, through faith in him. Let me read that again, verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose. Let me hear you say eternal purpose. The purpose you carry is not just for 80 to 120 years. It's an eternal purpose. My Father's purpose continues in heaven. All your loved ones who have preceded you in death and faith in heaven, their purpose continues. They're just realizing the eternal purpose in eternity. We have to shift the way we think. This is where our purpose comes from. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to become discouraged by my tribulations in your behalf, since they are your glory. For this reason, I bend my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, listen to this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. It's amazing. Paul is saying this. You're seeing me suffer now. In Paul's case, he was going through tribulations because he had preached the gospel so that the Ephesians might know, and he got thrown in prison for it. He was stoned in different ways and places. And he's saying, hey, don't get caught up in my, my, my tribulations. Don't, don't be discouraged when you see me going through trials or tribulations at all. There's actually a glory in it. What's the glory? The Lord coming and working through him. And more specifically, the Lord coming and working through you and me. I just want to read this again. I don't want us to miss this today. I'm going to go back to verse 8. 
And I want you to read this as if it's you. To me, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten all people as to what the plan of the mystery is, which, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the multifaceted wisdom of God now might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So therefore I ask you not to become discouraged about any trial or tribulation, since they are your glory. For this reason, I bend my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, say it right now, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit and the inner self. Let me say this. You cannot be strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner self if you hate There's no place for it. People ask, well, what, why is unforgiveness such a big deal? It's actually rooted in hate. Can we be honest? Well, you don't know what they did to me. I, I don't know what they did to you, but he does. And as long as you hold on to what they did to you, you hold on to hate. And you cut yourself off from the power of God that would give you peace on in your inner self to actually become the gospel that might save them. And if they choose not to, they choose not to. But don't rejoice when a lost one dies and goes to hell. You hear what I'm saying? Clean up the families. Let's clean up our hearts. Let's stop this bickering or I don't like the way that person talks or the way they look or this or this. We got to stop that crap now. Instead, we got to say, I have power in my inner self to walk in peace and grace and love people according to the grace of God, not according to my ability to love anybody. And I very well may be speaking to you about you because you hate yourself. I'm not going to make, I don't want me looking at you in the eyes thinking I'm seeing something. But I'm just telling you, you got to love yourself too as the Lord loves you. Amen? Amen? Let's get real. Because look what it says, verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the height, and the depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled. Let me hear you say that I might be filled. What does filled mean? Fullness. Overflowing fullness. Let me ask you, is 99% of a cup full? No. Don't satisfy for 99%. Go back to verse 16. I think the Lord is wanting to recreate a tread inside of your heart. There we go. That God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Let me hear you say comprehend. Can you comprehend a mystery? No. That's why it's a mystery. And what he's saying is the mystery of the gospel because what Jesus did for you and I opens the access for him to fill us, to live inside of us, so that we might comprehend what is mysterious to other people. You were, de you were designed to comprehend the goodness of God. You were designed in his image 
You were made in the image of God. Does God understand? Does God comprehend his goodness? And you're made in his image so that you might comprehend the love of God. This is why it's so important to make sure we're motivated by his love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. This word know is experiential knowledge. It's epikinosis. It means that when, that when I, I know Kelly's heart, inside and out, I know her. I've experienced her love. I've experienced, we, we know each other. There's a part of it sometimes I don't know where I end and she begins. Like there's this part, you know, when you've been married a long time. And it goes beyond that. That you might know, experience the love of God that's within you. Look what it says. That surpasses knowledge. That word knowledge is different than epikinosis. This is knowledge that's just facts and figures. There's a lot of people who can describe what Jesus might have looked like. There's a lot of people that say, well, he was a good man. He, he did good things. He loved the poor. There's lots of people who are lost and going down to hell who could tell you some of the good things that Jesus did, but they don't have never experienced that goodness inside themselves. They just have factual knowledge. There's been religious people who have stood in a pulpit and preached the facts and figures of God who never experienced his goodness. See, so it's not the knowledge that God is good, a fact that transforms you. It's when you experience it, you embrace it, the fullness of it fills you. That's when transformation happens. That's when comprehension begins. Some people, I just can't understand the mind of God, and nobody can understand the mind of God. Well, according to an old covenant, that was true, but in Corinthians it says, but you have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ understands itself. I, I, just, I want us to zero in on this thing so we can shift gears within ourselves. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there's a lost world that has never experienced the goodness of God that led to transformation. I believe we will see our nation turned around. I don't think this is the end. But for what purpose? For the advancement of the kingdom of God not the advancement of the American dream or a political party or a political figure. This is a prophetic word to you. We will see. The question is this. Are you going to see it because your heart now comprehends the love of God? Or are you going to see it because you only comprehend that the world's lost and going to hell and needs some good things to come to it? There's a difference. Knowledge about something and knowledge of something. Let's read this again, verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width, length, height, and depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness of God. To the fullness of God. To the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I want to tie this into what you, what I, the story I told you when I said, I, just, I hate cancer, and the Lord rebuked me. A loving rebuke, but it was a rebuke nonetheless. It was a warning to say this, your heart's going to go down the wrong path if you embrace hatred, even for the destruction of something that is truly evil. Cancer is evil. It is. So is unforgiveness. Hello? Let's, let's stop coming up with our lists that are acceptable to carry and things that are not acceptable to carry. It all creates separation between us and God. 
Verse 29, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there's any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, listen to what it says, so that it will give grace to those that hear it. Let no unwholesome talk. You can rightfully use that saying, don't stop dropping F-bombs. That, that would be cursing. Like that, it, it, That's true. But let me tell you right now, when you begin to come into agreement with something that's not true about God and it exits your mouth, that's unwholesome talk. For example, I hate cancer. And that motivation was an unwholesome word that would destroy and rot my heart. Instead of saying, I love my father, and I hate what's happening to him, so from the love of God, I'm going to release something that can destroy what's evil. Do you see the difference, the uniqueness in it? Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there's any good word, let me hear you say good word. For edification, let me hear you say edification. We use this for prophecy a whole lot when we talk about edify, build up, encourage. What's going to build somebody, not just an encouraging word that has nothing to do with Jesus. If God, there's a moment, so you see somebody down. So many of you have already edified me. You saw that I was hurting because my father's passing. And you brought a good word that was fit for the moment to edify me, to encourage me, to build me up. And I love that. That's what that's talking about. If there's a word for it. But it goes beyond the words that you're using. Again, we have to go back to the grace of God. Let me hear you say grace. The empowering agent of God. Okay? So the grace that's given. Look what it says. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there's any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so that it will give grace to those who hear it. Grace transforms. It says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. We're going to do these 10 days of prayer and fasting and repentance, but let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to rehash things that have already been repented of. That's repenting from dead works. The repentance that needs to happen must come from this place of, Lord, I'm going to think more like you today than I've ever thought in my life. If I've been holding on to something, I'm thinking differently. I've experienced your goodness, and it causes me to think, to live, to breathe differently than I've ever have, and the grace of God comes on the word. That's why I've, I've, I've heard the gospel message preached without any grace on it in his exact same words, and it fell on dead ears and dead hearts. And I've seen a little child give a testimony of Jesus. And that grace was on it in a way that Billy Graham would have been jealous or envious of it. And people gave their life to Jesus. It's not the words themselves. It's the grace that accompanies the words. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Let me say malice. That was age. I had malice towards cancer. Had to be removed from me. Verse 32, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Look what it says, verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, let me hear you say, therefore. It's a continuation of the same thought. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. What's a fragrant aroma? Worship. As you imitate God, as you do as he did, what Jesus did, as you say what he's saying, the, the son, Jesus, imitated the father. And we're not talking about a little kid that's, that just hears a word and babbles it. No, we're not talking about a parrot that can repeat something. It's the wholeness of their thoughts, minds, will, and emotions coming into the, limita in the imitation of the heart, mind, will, and emotions of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
And then from that place, it becomes a grace-filled word to the people around you that allows them, it gives them an opportunity to be reconciled to Jesus. And it becomes a fragrant aroma to God. As you do that, it's actually your spiritual act of worship. I love our worship team. We have an ama- do we not have an amazing worship team? We, you guys are worshipers. What you lifted up earlier on is beautiful worship. And that is worship. But let me tell you what's also worship. When you release this to a lost world in the middle of your office, in your home, in your school, at the grocery store, you release that, it becomes the same fragrant aroma of worship to God. How about we worship God like that? Not just in here, but indeed in action. So why don't you stand up with me? Kind of short. Could have gone longer. Before I pray, um, for those who are signed up for the School for Kingdom Advancement, um, I, I will. We will meet at five today, but I'm going to do an abbreviated today. I think I only got two hours in me versus the full four. But we will be here in the sanctuary. So just for those that have already registered, you guys can come be here. So let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What grace are you releasing to me today? What word of correction or edification are you releasing to me? Just take a moment and listen. You brought something to mind that you need to repent of. Just do it right now. The quiet of your heart, right where you're at. Make it an act of worship. Even your repentance becomes worship. If he gave you a word of encouragement, you're doing great, you're doing well, turn that right back into a praise. Today, God, we make an act of our will to seek you fully the way you think, the way you feel, the way you process reality, the way you love us, the way you love others. We just make a decision to repent and to come into alignment with that fully. So that we might comprehend with all of the saints the height, the width, the depth, the totality of your love for us. So that we may come into alignment with the fullness of God within us. We lay aside every single hindrance. Now come, Holy Spirit, and fill us fresh. I just release hope. I speak a word of encouragement to everyone who can hear my voice right now. Jesus is good. He loves you. He has an eternal purpose for you. You don't have to perform for him, and he didn't have to perform for you. Every good thing he does is the overflow of who he is and the overflow of his love towards you. Now, in the name of Jesus, I charge you with the same thing. May everything you do, everything you think, everything you say be from the overflow of the love that the Father has for you so that the world around you can experience, can know, the love of the Lord that leads to repentance, that leads to transformation. And we know, Lord, even as we offer this up, you will do infinitely more than we can ask, 
think or imagine according to the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. So I bless everyone present right now with the grace of God, with the grace that, Lord Jesus, you've given me as a father, as an apostle, as a pastor. I just release right now, impart the grace to everyone in this room now, everyone listening. Now run with the grace and run your race. And I declare this in Jesus' name, amen. Will somebody give him a shout of praise one more time? Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.